Craft Beer Radio, episode 101, January 9th, 2008. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. Tonight we are doing box. Box? Box. Box goats? Goats. Yeah, we're going to be drinking a lot of goats tonight. <laughs> First time we were actually doing a style show in quite some time. Yeah, I Kind know. of excited. Okay. Well, we're doing box and doppelbox today, right? So Most of them are doppelbox. Okay. Now, the reason why it's called box, the reason why it has this goat name, actually there are, there are two uh, examples. This history here has a different Oh, really? Yeah. See, on the style guide, there's actually four kinds of box. There's the Hellas Bach, which is the blonde Bach. Mm-hmm. There's the traditional Bach, the Doppelbach, and the Ice Bach. The traditional explanation here is that Bach means goat, which has to do with the sign of Capricorn, which has to do with the springtime? Uh, Capricorn is uh, right now, actually. It's oh, the beginning okay. of January. Actually, the end of December till... The end of January. Shows how much I know about astrology. Yeah. But, and, and so that's the time when it's expected to be to be had, and so it's a good time to have these box. But the other thing is that in here, in this history in traditional Bach, they say, recreated in Munich starting in the 17th century, the name Bach is based on a corruption of the name Einbeck in the Bavarian dialect, and is thus only used after the beer came to Munich. Bach also means billy goat in German and is often used as logos and advertisements. Okay, so the first beer is the Atwater Block Atwater High Gravity Lager Winterbach. Now, what is a Bach? A Bach is a multi lager, essentially. It's uh... yeah, lots, lots of lots of malt, uh, Munich malt in there. Um, they do during brewing. They do what they call a decoction mash, and um, this is where they during the mash they actually scoop out part of the mash. They put it in a kettle and they boil it. And normally, you don't want to boil your grains because of the tannins and the husks and things like that. Well, you don't want to keep it too hot, but boiling does a different reaction, and it really makes for a dark, roasty. It creates a lot of lots of what they call melanoidins, and it just gives you this really dark, malty beer. Now, for aroma, you should expect a strong malt aroma with uh, virtually no hop aroma, some alcohol possibly, but no diacetyl, and low or no fruity esters. But on flavor, you should get some sort of complex maltiness. Uh, dominated by rich flavors of Munich and Vienna malts. Caramel notes may be present, and hop bitterness is generally only high enough to support the malt flavors, so you really shouldn't get a lot of, of, of hop stuff there. Uh, not It should should not be a cloying. You should not have it be sticky, mm-hmm. and it should be clean. Uh, no esters or diacetyl again. Yeah, this is overall it's going to be a sweet beer, not very bitter. If you're... You know, a person who likes a barley wine or something like that, you might maybe want to try a Doppelbach or something like that. It might be, it might be your gateway into lagers if if you happen to be a person who you know likes ales and not lagers. Um, the aroma on this one, toasty and yes. uh, and caramelly. It has again that. I mean, we talked about it in the pre-show. Uh, the aroma of kind of if you take some caramelized malt and you smell it, you put it up in your hand and you smell it. It smells a lot like that. We did a, a Bach in the pre-show warm-up, too. That was the Gordon Biersch uh, Winter Bach. And comparing to that one, this one smells a little bit hoppy to me, actually. I mean, it's not an IPA hoppy, but... Th- it smells... I think it, it doesn't smell quite as, as malty. It doesn't smell quite as caramelly. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be just a bit of 
a bit of fruitiness. I don't know if I really smell hops, which okay. is you're not supposed to smell hops. It says ver- right. no hop aroma, but I do smell a little bit of maybe ester there, a little fruitiness. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is the fruitiness. It's a bit of fruitiness in the flavor too. Yeah, it's, it, it didn't ferment out as as clean as you'd expect a, a lager bock to be. There's a little bit more. There's actually there's a good amount of of hoppiness in the flavor. And it's kind of competing with the malt a bit, mm-hmm. uh, hitting particularly in the, in the back of your tongue where you really get a lot of bitterness. Um, it's kind of, in some way, overshadowing the, the the malt in front. It's also I want to mention this now because I'm sure I'm not going to taste it after a few sips, but I'm getting a slight bit of this lager character, something that's reminiscent of what you get out of you know more mainstream type lagers, let's say. Uh, it's not quite the noble twang that we've used before, but there's a taste in it that's reminiscent of, of Big Brother beer. Just to get that at all? You know, I kind of see where you're coming from. There's there's kind of a little bit of... Um, how how do you describe that? It's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, of a maybe chalky graininess. Yeah, yeah, chalky... Chalky... Put it, Chalky grainy. <laughs> but actually, you know, the grainy was a word that I had in my mind when you said that. And chalky was the word I was probably just about to come to. I'm like, yeah, we're on the same wavelength tonight. That's good. <laughs> Not a bad beer by any stretch of the imagination, but I think the Gordon beer so we had it in the finish pre-show was better. really clean. There's not much aftertaste on this one. Like, like we said before, these box should finish pretty clean and not cloying. Mm-hmm. Again, I still think it's a little over bitter for the mm-hmm. for the style i think uh, and you mentioned the esters in there it seemed yeah. like it didn't ferment as clean as a lager should you should be getting like malt and you're getting these other competing flavors that are dancing in the malt and but again the one we had in the pre-show was a doppelbach and this is a yeah bock. absolutely the uh Bruce association uh, revealed some more details about their Savor Craft Beer, which is going on DC on May sixteenth and seventeenth. Did they ever explain what the, what that acronym meant? I think it's just a word. I'm not. Sure, I'm pretty sure. So it's why is it all capitalized? To get your attention. <laughs> I guess. So they, the event will feature educational salons. Scheduled speakers include Sam Calagione from Dogfish, Jim Cook from Boston Beer, Randy Mosher, author of Radical Brewing, Marnie Old, assistant dean of wine studies at the French Culinary Institute. She was the one that did the uh, the beer versus wine thing with Sam at at the uh, Great American Beer Fest. Garrett Oliver, brewmaster from Brooklyn Brewery, and several savvy cross drinkers, including Lauren... <laughs> A cross drinker? What does that mean? The wine people. But, you know, you hear cross... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with putting on late women's clothing, Greg. Come on. <laughs> Stop being prejudiced. Okay, as long so. as you're drinking beer, I guess that's true. Yep. So, uh, sounds interesting. Sounds like a lot of the people that, you know, do a lot of these events for the Brew Association will be there. And uh, that's uh, May 16th and 17th in Washington, D.C. So, it's probably worth checking out. They're going to have um, dinners, you know. Beer and food pairing dinners. I'm sure the food's going to be great. So if you're in the area, I'd definitely try to snap up tickets for that. We are drinking these right now out of these horn glasses. These um, actually these Michelob horn glasses, which we were really impressed with when we went out on that second beer tour. Hmm. We just thought they looked really cool. You were impressed. I was really impressed. <laughs> I, th- I just think they look awesome. Uh, I figured, you know, goats back box. You know, I figured let's let's drink them out of the horn glasses tonight. Because uh, I was looking up the glassware, and they're talking about flutes and, and stranges and things like that, and um, or stonges. I'm sorry. 
and so I figured I'd use this uh, this uh, horn for the first time. However, in the soap screen, you can see what a real horn is supposed to be like. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's different than. I mean, it's it's really just essentially a flute with at the bottom there's a little bit of a, of a glass. Curve. curve, which has nothing to do with the actual glass. Yeah, it's mounted off-center on the base, and there's no fluid in the curve part, so it's all purdy display. But they're neat looking. So what'd you think of that Atwater winter box? Uh, um, well, I'll see how the other box compare. I mean, oh, I felt yeah. the Gordon Biersch was a little bit better, but again, it was a Doppelbach. Okay, so now we're going to do a couple Pennsylvania box. Uh, Erie Brewing Company sent us some beers, so we're going to be doing the Fallen Bock from Erie Brewing Company. 7.8% alcohol by volume. Lots of German beers in, in the Pennsylvania area. Decap and catcher. There we go. The, <laughs> the, 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 the capper held on to the cap that time. It didn't fall. Gravity wasn't strong enough. I shouldn't point out all the flaws. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the way you market a product. This pour is a lot darker. Uh, the last one was sort of more of a tan kind of iced tea, and this is... M- Still judging how to do a 50-50 pour in these new glasses. Yeah, these are tougher. But how, did, how would you describe this color? Kind of a uh, a really, like a, a coffee almost, with, mm, or, or a really Pours dark like a, tea. Looks like a brown ale. Yeah, something like a brown ale, but without as much carbonation. Mm-hmm. Um, it has about a, a finger's worth of... Very, very fluffy head. No, this one has a lot of aroma on it. I'm getting um, a bit of smoke and a bit of chocolate. Is this a Doppelbach or a regular? It's Doppelbach. Right, we should go on to the Doppelbach list here. Now, the Doppelbach aroma has very strong maltiness, and darker version will have significant melatonins and often toasty aromas. Light caramel uh, aroma from a long boil is acceptable. Should have again no diacetyl, a moderately low fruity aspect of the aroma, often described as prune, plum, or grape, may be present, but it is optional in dark versions due to reactions between malt, the boil, and aging, and a very slight chocolate-like aroma, like you said here, may be present in darker versions, but no roasted or burned aromatic should ever be present. That's <laughs> in terms of just aroma. In terms of flavor, it should be again very rich and malty. Dark versions have significant melanoidins, toasty flavors. Uh, clean lager flavor, no diacetyl, some fruitiness. It's very similar to to the aromas. It should have some of that taste. You have a bit of history for this, too. A Bavarian specialty, first brewed in Munich by the monks of St. Francis of Paula. Historical versions were less well attenuated than modern interpretations, with consequently, with consequently higher sweetness and lower alcohol levels. Hence the uh, term liquid bread. You probably heard about monks drinking liquid bread when they're Lent and things like that. Mm-hmm. So this is part where the liquid bread came from. The term doppel means double bock and was coined by the Munich consumers. Many doppel bocks have names ending in ator. Either is attributable to the prototypical Salvatore or to take advantage of the beer's popularity. So yeah, in the aroma of this one, I'm getting three things. I'm getting uh, chocolate, some kind of like smokiness, and a third thing that I'm... Uh, Still trying to find words for. Uh, chocolate, toasty, but I'm trying to find this third thing that you're saying. It's almost a fruit or a flower or something like that. Like a... A little bit of rose? Maybe. Like maybe, yeah, maybe flowery is where it's coming from. It's like a hint of something perfumey in there or something like that. Let's go into the taste. Because this, this brown ale... Tea looking uh, beers sucking me in. 
lighter on the mouthfeel than I expected. Uh, and oh yeah, it tastes like a like a brown porter, like a light light bodied porter. Really, it feels like a lot of the flavor is coming around the sides of the mouth and the sides of the tongue without really hitting in the center. And then actually late in the flavors where I'm getting the smoky flavors. I mean, this isn't nearly as smoky as like a Rauch beer, but there's a there's a hint of smoke at the end there. There's a bit of, of, of lingering bitterness on the back, uh, lingering kind of roasty bitterness as opposed to hoppy bitterness. The heck is the goat guy holding in this yellow sack there? What's that say? Ram chips. Okay. And I guess, you know, they're, they're colored like ram chips for your computer. You think? Yeah, I think so. They are green. They look like little ticket stubs. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird label. Got a uh, Guten Lederhosen who fell... looks like he fell off a stool. It's called Fallenbuck from Erie Brewing Company. And his stein's falling. And there's leaves uh, in his stein. Or something. Interesting. I, it reminds me of Mystery Science Theater 2000, where in the first season, they would give the robots ram chips for, for oh, a, a reward for if they would say something good about the movie. Maybe that's the uh, the inside joke right <laughs> maybe. there. Maybe it's still like it, it's not quite. I'm comparing this to the Gordon Beers we had in the pre-show, mm-hmm. which to me was really. I mean, it was very it, tasty, it was very good. full, and this one. Isn't quite as full. Doesn't it's it's it has some of those same kind of uh, toasty, dark, caramelly flavors, but it isn't hitting me the same way the Gordon Beers did. This one it's hitting me more like an ale, and I'm not sure why because it has a clean flavor to it. It's just the way the 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 maltiness is coming across. Like I said, to me, it's it's like a light bodied porter, like a brown porter, or you know, a heavy brown ale, something in like on that threshold. It's it's good. It's just not what I was expecting out of a of a Doppelbach. The body is light on it, and certain for Doppelbach, you expect something a little bit fuller. Yeah, I'm a little surprised because how much was this in terms of alcohol? Seven point eight. You know, I kind of expect a little bit of a fuller punch to it. Well, I mean, it could have attenuated down. You know, that's how the alcohol, but. Yeah, more more maltiness to it is certainly what I would expect to have the beer. Um, but you know, uh, it's a decent offering. I mean, it doesn't taste bad. If no, it doesn't taste bad at all. It tastes very very good. Um, Just maybe, it, you know, if you're judging it per style, though, it, it doesn't stand up that well. Man, I was uh, editing the show yesterday, and uh, man, was I excited about um, old viscosity and chocolate. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time since I've been that excited yeah. about a beer. That was fun. <laughs> that was a good show. I mean, yeah, for you know, I picked some beers for show one hundred. Didn't think they were going to be that special, and it, you know, there's a good chance that there's going to be at least one beer on our two thousand eight top beer list from that show. It's possible, if not two, <laughs> if we can remember January fourth in December. Yeah, <laughs> that that'd be very tough. I mean, we don't. Yeah, you'll have baby in your head. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. Yep. We have uh, one other piece of news here. It hasn't been that long since we recorded our last show, and this one's about Anheuser Busch. The strategy works for now is the uh, headline. Anheuser Busch's recent strategy of adding new brands, mostly high end, to its portfolio has succeeded. For now, Anheuser Busch's announcement that their beer shipments increased in 2007. 
And in the most recent quarter, sent the stock soaring. Prices rose 5% after its report. So they reported that their shipments increased 2%, uh, even though their core brands continued to lose share. share. Shipments increased by only... 2% of AB shipping is probably a lot. Wait, how does this work? AB's core brands continue to lose share. Shipments increased by only 0.3%. It's still an increase. Market share, I guess. I guess they're losing market share. Mm-hmm. But they're still selling more beers, so... It wasn't from, like, uh, Kona Brewing or Dark Star or Goose Island. It was from Grolsch and, you know, the other beers like that they're, they're importing now. Are you ready to move on? Mm-hmm. Next one we're going to do is this beer. We're not going to do the... Uh... No. Okay. <laughs> not this one. No, no. This one. Oh, you want to do just four? Okay. I mean... Okay. No, I mean, we could do a five. I just want to know if we want to do that one. Yeah, we're going to do okay. it. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure we do that. I don't know why we keep these things secret. It's not like it's building suspense <laughs> or anything like that. So this one's going to be the Victory St. Boisterous Doppelbach from Victory Brewing Company in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. That's another Pennsylvania beer. It's been a while since uh, we've had anyone complain that we've been doing too much hometown stuff. Right. So here you go. That was, what, episode three or four we got that complaint? Yeah. Hundred and one, I think we're we're safe. There you go. Now that's a lot more fruity. There's a lot more like uh like this says plum or okay. prune in that. Now this beer is a little on the older side. Oh holy cow. Enjoy by July twenty seventh, two thousand six. <laughs> this is Saint Victoria's, not Saint Boisterous. Oh. Did I say boisterous? Yes. Oopsie. Now, Boisterous is their Hellerbach. This is their Doppelbach. The Victorious. And, well, it's two and a half years past its best by date, so... It's probably a little bit of oxidation in that that I smell, too. Yeah, so let's just take a sip, and if it's bad, we'll just go into yeah. the next one. Pours a very dark, um... Dark iced tea. Little Mine's uh, yeah, a little bit cloudier than the last one. The other one was pretty clear. The, uh, the Erie was pretty clear. It's likely filtered. Um, this one's... Cloudy. It looks looks like a Belgian double. The cloudiness and the color. It kind of fits. If you just took a stereotypical picture of a Belgian double, I think that's what the color you'd see. Hmm. That may be a little bit past its prime because it. it, um, Yeah. You're getting this this initial kind of fruitiness, and then it fades to this somewhat malty hoppy, and then gets goes kind of really hoppy. Mm. I'm not getting hoppy. I'm getting. I'm getting. Probably some some oxidation in there, and it's just not. A, it doesn't taste clean. It's just muddy. Yeah, muddy so. is is a good example. So we're just we're not going to include that in our rankings because it just seems like that is not. I mean, obviously the beer is. It not. was a beer that actually I think I had laying around from the last Doppelbox show <laughs> two years ago. We we couldn't get to it that night, and I've just never got to it till now. So the next beer, another Pennsylvania beer. This one comes in a cool velvet red bag. Pennsylvania Brewing Company's Brewmaster's Reserve St. Nicholas Bach Limited Production. Okay. Now this is, uh, is this corked? No, it's capped. comes in this gold foil. And that's still, that's still a 750 milliliter, right? Yeah. Starts from batch 001. It's a green bottle, but of course it's inside the velvet, so... 
should be able it to. Should be and it's fine. not a hoppy beer, so. Right. So I had a regular St. Nick Buck just the other day, so I'm curious to see if this is different or the same beer. If you can notice any differences. Another dark iced tea looking beer. Um, again, very little carbonation is present inside the actual. Uh, there's not a lot of nucleation sites inside this glass, I imagine. So you don't really notice a lot of bubbles coming up. Of course, it's a decent head, but it's okay. a narrow. It's a narrow glass, so it's going to stand the head right. up higher. That was a lot hoppier than I would expect, doesn't it? Yeah, it does smell a lot hoppier. Now, this doesn't really fall into a doppel... I mean, the regular St. Nick Bach doesn't really fall into a normal doppelbach. I've always thought it's more of a lagered porter slash Ford Spear, somewhere in there. Um, All I'm really smelling is hops and I'm uh, smelling malt. Huh, that is really hoppy. That, and that is really different from the Saint, regular production St. Nick Bach that I've had. Sweet, thin-bodied, Greg's making a not-happy face. I don't like it. I wonder if this... Look at these... When I was pointing, look at these huge bubbles inside the bottle here. Uh-huh. Typically, you get weird foam when you get things like oxidation going on or whatnot. It says batch number 001. Right, but that was... They only made a cut, like, one or two batches this year. Um, yeah, it almost tastes soapy. It's kind of a, a sickening, sickening little sweet soapiness that comes along with it. Oh, I don't like this at all. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's this one is not the, whether it's gone wrong or not. I think it's a different color than well. I, when I had the Saint Nick Bach, I had a normal pint glass. This is a much thinner glass, so it's going to be hard to compare colors. I'd much rather have had the Victory than this. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to try another sip here. Let's see if I can figure this out. I'll keep. Yeah, I'll keep trying, but. I mean, it's not like it's not like when I had those smoke beers and I was mm-hmm. unable to drink anymore. But there's something. It's either I don't think it's oxidized because I'm not getting any cardboard or sherry or anything. But some kind of I mean, maybe some kind of infection during bottling because I. Unless they got a new line, these bigger bottles, they hand bottle all of them. So maybe they had a, a snafu in the bottling process for this one. I don't know, because I get, you know, in up front, it just kind of tastes sort of watery. Mm-hmm. And in back, this this lingering kind of... It, it, it's, it's like it's like dark malt combined with dishwasher uh, I'm soap thinking, I'm thinking that this beer, this bottle's off, because on Beer Advocate, this Brewer's Reserve is getting like... A's. Like they change their, they don't have the numbers anymore. They just have grades, and yeah. it's getting straight A's for this one. It's higher. It's ranked higher than the regular Saint Nick Bach. So this bottle must be off. I guess this is. Um, it, it's really. <laughs> it's really not good. Thing we've got more doppel box than we yes. have time for the show, huh? <laughs> okay, let's move like on to. Ugh. Watch out, my. So here. let's save this big boy for last, and let's go on to this one. Right. We did this one last time. We did Doppelbox, and this is an old bottle too. Hopefully, it stood up like the 
Gordon Biersch did. Right. This is the Sudwerk Doppelbach. Sudwerk. Sudwerk Private Browery from Davis, California. Decap and catcher. They caught. Yay. Ooh, listen to that. <laughs> Busting some glass here. Thank you, Jeff. It's very, very dark. Uh, very, very dark with, at the bottom, kind of a, a slight sort of brown highlight. Uh, a pillowy head at the top at a finger's worth. Very small bubbles. So this one's a bit oxidized, I think. It smells like a barley wine there. We'll have to see how it tastes, but it seems a bit oxidized. Pours is probably the darkest out of all of them. We should maybe have we have we explained what oxidization what oxidation is? We could lately. We had um, a message board post of a uh, listener, Randy, who uh, had some beers he was cellaring, and he had this off flavor he described. He wanted to know what it was, and um, listener posted back before I did, but I had to agree that it sounded like oxidation. Oxidation happens when oxygen in the headspace of the bottle goes into the beer and makes compounds oxidizes certain compounds in the beer typically it'll taste cardboardy or like sherry sometimes the sherry can be really good like in a barley wine style um some oxidation can really change the beer and make it interesting or good um, but most of the time it it doesn't help the beer um you have to realize that oxygen is eight percent of the atmosphere and we breathe it so we think it's great but it's actually a corrosive gas and mm-hmm. i mean they use it to etch glass right. it's it it's uh, very reactive too, and that's what happens in here. Is the oxygen reacts to certain compounds? When um, there's certain things you can do to you know keep from having horribly oxidized beer. Um, when you're you're cooling your beer, you don't want to aerate the beer at all. It's called hot side aeration. That leads towards increased oxidation. When you're storing your beer. Keep it at a constant temperature and a cooler temperature. Hotter the beer is. Like if you put your beer in the oven, it'll oxidize at a much faster rate than if you kept it in the cellar or in the fridge. So, you know, uh, like Greg says, he sometimes keeps the beer in the trunk of his car. In the summertime, I'm just like, oh, my God. Not in the summertime, no. But, like, a good example is if you cut an apple and leave it open and it starts to brown. The reason for the browning is oxidation. Mm -hmm. So, and and that happens very quickly. Oxygen is a pretty – I mean the reason why it's used – this is more of a post-show topic maybe, but it's used for, for animals because it's very reactive and a lot of energy, a lot more energy than carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. But it's very corrosive gas ultimately. Right. Yeah. Oxidized. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. This one, this beer placed really high last time we had it and our dump glass is full. <laughs> <laughs> So so let's pause. Uh, let's we're drinking strong beers. Let's save our sobriety for for the good ones and and move on to the next beer. All right. I hope this one finishes us off with a better taste in our mouths. Here you go. You can have a little tag. This is Flying Dog's Wild Dog Collaborator Doppelbach Open Source Beer. This is that open source beer project? This is not the original open source beer project. All right. That was some German beer with ginseng or Dutch beer with ginseng or whatever. This is kind of wiki beer. Remember we talked about that and you said, yeah. no, this is more like wiki beer. Yeah, this is the one where Flying Dog put together and people commented on what kind of malt should be used. I'm trying to get the cork off and it's stuck in there pretty good. <laughs> um, 
So I guess this is the first edition, and they, you know, probably t- refine it. Uh, Flying Dog sent us this beer. So thank you, Flying Dog. Come on, cork. <laughs> they sent us a trick bottle with a cork that won't go. It's it's coming. It's coming. I want to hear that sound. Uh, that was anticlimactic, wasn't yeah. it? This beer has a low carbonation. That's why the cork wasn't coming out so bad. And when I was pouring it, there's probably the slightest head of most of the beers. This is a lighter Doppelbach than the other ones we've been seeing. It's um, very much like a tea color, iced tea. Mm-hmm. Hoppy aroma up front. A little bit of hops in the aroma, yeah. Not, it's, not a soup, it's not a malt bomb like we were expecting. Very clear. Has a fuller mouthfeel, but th- those hops are just too strong there. They're, yeah, they're, they're like West Coast hops, too. They're yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's like, it's a strong happiness here. I mean, it's, it's a close to West Coast is Denver, right? So close to West Coast beer, but I mean, I would not hop a Doppelbach like that. Let's, uh, pa- let's hop on the website real fast and see what the ingredients are. All right. So we just checked this site, and this is Warrior and Mount Hood hops. Yeah, Warrior hops in a Doppelbach. Warrior, they're <laughs> high alpha. They're uh, strong, just like the name would suggest. Yeah, yeah, that's hmm. It's drinkable. It's got it's got a full mouthfeel, which I appreciate because uh, the other ones really haven't. But that hops at the end really it's just... It's like an India pale bock. Yeah, it doesn't really... It doesn't <laughs> mesh w- w- with the upfront malt that it has. And so it really... It's kind of like this... You get a malt up front, full flavor, and then this bitterness at the end that almost gets kind of cloying in a way. It's a real, to me, it's a really light maltiness. I mean, it's almost on par with like a Meritzen or Oktoberfest. It's, I think it's a little bit stronger than that, but it fades away quickly because of that strong hops. No, the malt, I mean, maybe the alcohol, but the malt, certainly, I would call, I mean, it, to me, this is like an Imperial American Oktoberfest or something. <laughs> like. This is, this is definitely not the style. Well, I guess we got a rank now. Well, I know what my number one is. I think I know what your number one is. <laughs> the pre-show beer? <laughs> yeah. Cause I love when that happens. Um, man, so what did I like? Number one is the Gordon Beers Winterbach with eight, with uh, what, um, fourteen months on it. That was very nice. That one aged beautifully. Really delicious. Number two, I mean, I'd probably go with the Atwater. I think that was kind of the closest to the style without going over. Erie Atwater. I liked the Erie better, even though it wasn't quite the style. There was that little bit in the Atwater that was mainstream lagery, that chalky. That's no, oh, that's true. It's it's kind of hard to remember because this hasn't been a very. This clear is the opposite flight. of last uh, week's show. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to put the Erie number two, the Atwater number three. The victory is not fair to qualify. The Sudvert is not fair to to rate. Um. As for these two big bottles, the Wild Dog and the Penn Brewery, I'll have to put the Wild Dog in front of the Penn Brewery because that bottle of Penn Brewery was just off. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, I did not like that at all. 
Uh, I could probably finish this wild dog. It's it's different. It's not what I would expect. Um, the whole open source, the whole wiki beer concept. I think it just had a little too much West Coast input there. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I think because I think if you're going to do a wiki beer, you probably want to do an IPA instead of a Doppelbach. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's an interesting attempt. But yeah, I would agree with you. Gordon Beer's number one. Uh, I think since the Atwater had that kind of chalkiness, I guess we'll go with the the, the fallen Bach number two, then the Atwater, then the Wild Dog, and finally uh, last the one that I really didn't like the uh, Brewmasters Reserve, which is getting high praise. So I'm I got another bottle, so we'll have to try at some point. And I was going to send a bottle out to Gary, but now I'm not. So <laughs> We'll see. We'll also send it to Gary. He can decide if it's any good or not. Um, we're a pretty short time. Do you want to go for one more beer just for fun? All right. All right. So, what do we got for our final okay, so when I was, beer? Uh, when I was walking to the fridge, I'm like, well, we, you know, Flying Dog sent us a couple other beers, so we could try them and give them a second chance. But I'm like, wait, shouldn't we reward one of the better ones? So, we're going to do Erie Brewing Company's Red Rider Big Beer. Okay. So, um, what kind of beer is this? It's a big beer. <laughs> I'll have to look it Not up. Not a very big bottle for a big I'll have beer. To look it up. I do know it's nine point three percent alcohol by volume. Wow. Okay. So it is a big beer. And while Greg is smelling it here, I will hop online and see what those internets tell me about it. It says Scotch Ale Wee Heavy. Smells like a barley wine, though. Huh. Well, let's give it a taste. There's some of that maltiness I was looking for. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With a little bit of extra bitterness at the end. Uh, I tell you, the Gordon Beer is the best beer we had tonight. Yeah. Really was, yes it was. So so on this one, I'm getting uh, lots of alcohol in the flavor. Uh, it's kind of thin, thinnish on the body, almost like um, they added some corn sugar or something for fermentability. You know, almost like that thin body, high alcohol type flavor you get from some kind of uh, other. You know, um, there's kind of a slipperiness in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was not that talkable either, is it? <laughs> it's got it's it's got some yeah, like you said, very alcoholic mm-hmm. flavors. Um, it's really releasing a lot of alcohol when it hits your tongue, so you get a lot of that uh, that feeling of of the eris of the you know, the um, the evaporating alcohol in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's a big beer. It's it's high alcohol. You can definitely taste the high alcohol. Um, you know, I bet you this beer needs to warm a bit. Maybe it does. It is very cold. Yeah. We just pulled it out of the fridge. We weren't planning ahead. So I guess we'll just go to the post show and we'll see how this beer warms up. That's right. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to episode Hot 101 from Craft Beer Radio. (laughs) And uh, hopefully next week's show has better beers on it because there is that second law of Craft Beer Radio where the the quality of the show is directly proportional to the quality of the beers. Right. And and tonight's show was a bile of crap. (laughs) 
Sorry, guys. Hopefully next week will be better. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Yeah. Promise me you'll never go away So I don't have to put these roads on your grave